I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And today, we are going to look... I'm on my own again, um, due to self-isolation. You know, the whole thing. The whole worldwide pandemic. Um, so I thought I'd catch up on some reading. I thought I'd look at some... I've been inspired by playing a lot of kind of video games recently. Um, so I played Terminator Resistance. I've been playing Alien Isolation. And also there's a new um, Predator game coming out that I pre-ordered after trialing the demo. So I was kind of getting into that a little bit more. So I thought I'd I'd go back and revisit and get some, buy some more um, licensed comics from Dark Horse. So they own, they've owned the license for Terminator and Aliens and Alien vs. Predator and Predator. Um, for years now, and they I don't think they're, I don't know, I don't know now about Disney owning 20th Century Fox, I don't know if that's, I mean, they're still going ahead as far as I know, but they might, who knows if they might change their mind and they might want to bring into Marvel, or they might just try and keep that more separate. Perhaps, I know they've rebranded 20th Century Fox, 20th Century Studios, so that might just be another kind of, you know, Touchstone or uh, Buena Vista or something like that, so they might, they might keep that fairly separate, so they may allow Dark Horse to keep the comics uh, the rights to the comics the rights to those characters in the films who knows who knows but will only time will tell but they have a huge, massive history with these kind of characters, these franchises as well. Great comics were written, really, really good stuff. In some ways, better than a lot of the sequels that were made about these movies, I have to say. Alien vs. Predator was created as a comic book. Like, that's where that whole version of the franchise kind of sprang from, that third arm of both franchises. There's been video games, um, you know, films, there's been toys, there's been everything. There's a huge huge massive part of that franchise and it's uh, it's a very interesting part as well i'll be looking at that so we're going to look at aliens this week then i'm going to look at predator then i'm going to look at aliens versus predator and then i'm going to look at terminator comics so i'm going to try and steer away from kind of crossovers and stuff and try and stick with that specific franchise um for the time being um but i thought now was a good time because you know i'm still figuring out how to do it online with other people like in a in a decent way and um and not struggle with sound and what have you so i'm looking into that and i'm researching that but i think outside of may so we're looking maybe maybe june time uh we're going to be looking at having a few other kind of real people and, and trying to connect with them as opposed to just doing stuff on my own but i thought thought being on my own and being self-isolated was a good time to catch up with my reading but let's get started so I, I love the alien franchise the aliens franchise um and i genuinely think out of all the comics i'm going to be looking at i genuinely think the aliens ones 
uh, the Alien franchise ones are the best. They are the best of these franchise comic books. They just there's a lot to them. There's a, a lot of kind of world building that's already gone on within the movies, within you know subsequent movies. Um, and I find it very interesting. The stories that are told are really quite good. So many different range of stories, which I'm going to talk about shortly. But utterly, utterly fantastic writing. Some of these. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to mention where you can get them as well. Like so, all these stories are available on comic. Comixology, so you can get them digitally. Uh, again, you can buy them physically as well. On Comixology as well, they, they kind of have uh, omnibus collections where these big, massive books they released a few years back, big bumper collections that featured hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of pages worth of comic books and several kind of mini-series in each book. Um, but you can also buy them individually as like a, like a one-off kind of graphic novel or um, kind of issue, if you will. And again, if you search on Comixology the specific titles, you will find these. But again, you can also find the omnibuses, and I'll mention which omnibuses they are in, and then you can make your decision if you want to if you want to um, buy those. I do recommend probably one to four of the omnibuses. Those for me, they've got all the best stories. Um, you'll see the ones I'm going to mention shortly, but I think those three or four, three and four specifically, are the strongest of the volumes. I believe uh, one is also very good, but I'll go more into that later. So let's get down to brass tacks. Let's look at our top five Aliens comics. So number one is Genocide, Aliens Genocide. So this is from Omnibus Volume 2. It's written by Mike Richardson, John Arcudi, and the art is by Damon Willis. So so this is just after what they call the kind of Earth War trilogy. So that's featured in Omnibus 1. So that involves, originally it was kind of a sequel to Aliens, because that's round about the time it was written. So it, it features Newt and Corporal Hicks dealing and kind of the kind of what happened afterwards after aliens when they got back and uh you know things have gone on you know uh newt is a lot older and dealing with this and it basically outbreak nightmare asylum and female war that's the the full three miniseries again really good that's my first honorable mention i'll make and basically that involves the aliens basically taking over earth infesting earth obviously this is out of continuity now so they had to rename the characters and ripley turns up but now she's now an android but it, it's nice to just read it as a sequel to aliens um you know not, not a lot of people liked alien 3 so there you go anyway on with this story so this happens afterwards so so earth is relatively back to normal this comic introduces several kind of big kind of continuity things that would follow on through the the aliens comics so they in- introduce the grant corporation which is another kind of Weyland yutani type uh, competing evil corporation. There's, I mean, the the tenor penny in this kind of franchise and Predator and, and Alien versus Predator. There's just loads, but but this one's quite interesting as well, and they do they do crop up quite a bit um, in these kind of several comics that I'm going to be talking about and the other kind of mini series that were created. It also introduces uh, the idea of Xenozip which is based on the royal jelly. So it's like this, I don't know, it's a substance. Uh, So I'll describe it. It is a jelly. It's kind of like a jelly. And you can get high off it, and it's kind of like almost like a steroid, like a mad steroid. The opening scene of the comic has a guy who's uh, uh, doing like a 500 meters or something or um, what have you, and he he takes some Xenozip. <clears throat> and he runs, wins the race, and then carries on into a brick wall and kills himself, um, which is absolutely mad. 
and then the military they've seen like the applications that it kind of has on certain people so what they realize is that they they had some while the they managed to get some while the aliens were on earth managed to get some of this royal jelly for however much they got and then now what they've been doing the grand corporation have been replacing those kind of those materials with with something fake and then it's created all this kind of madness this kind of like berserker madness if you will and the military like obviously grand corporation wants the the actual kind of the real stuff to work so they want the they want the normal effects that it used to have and they're going to promise the military this kind of mad they test it out on a soldier and he goes ape shit kills everybody uh and ends up dying anyway because of the effects of the drug um but they want all the faulty ones so they'd rather make the faulty ones so they agree to a kind of what's the word expedition an expedition back to the the xeno world um the xeno world i'll call it the xenomorph home world uh but xeno world sounds cool so that was introduced in female war the final trilogy in the first omnibus so um and what happened was they had to basically they kidnapped the alien queen from that planet and kind of and took her to earth and that kind of all the other aliens kind of went a bit like they didn't know what to do no one was commanding them or telling them how to go about or what they needed to do so they all go they all go a little bit weird a little bit mad so all the while this stuff's going on with the grant corporation the aliens on the planet because they don't know what to do they're just they're not sure so the royal guard so which are like these bigger you know deadlier aliens that look after the queen directly they are they kind of create a new queen but it's kind of a it's like slightly racially diverse it becomes it's like a red it's a red queen it's a red alien that is is just that's the only real difference um it's just the the color's a bit different but all the while there was another set of aliens who created their own queen as well so they made a whole new queen as well uh and they just fucking hate each other and it basically is just an a xenomorph civil war going on they're just like tearing chunks out of each other and fighting um and trying to protect each queen um and obviously the the uh Daniel Grant, who who leads the expedition, he also takes along you know colonial marines because he would need to uh, with that many aliens and going to an alien planet. Obviously, again, this is technically out of continuity now, but again, I quite like it. I think it's a cool thing, um, you know, with Prometheus and everything. But um, he takes along these marines. He's a really unlikable guy, Daniel Grant. He's really greedy. He's sexist. He's slimy. He's disgusting. But kind of all the way throughout this this storyline you see him kind of realize what he's put all these people's lives at risk it doesn't even matter what they came for he's like you know what i don't care i just want to get out of this place alive i you know it doesn't matter anymore because there's there's a lot of other kind of there's a lot of kind of corporate sabotage in this one and people like evil scientists doing things they shouldn't be and um the synthetics in there and all sorts of stuff going on um it's got all the kind of things you would want from an alien story but like again it's slightly different as like a different a different twist it's interesting see those elements and see like a really fucking arsehole of a character because usually like the characters like Burke and things from the uh, the movies are always quite like you don't really you never really like them but Daniel Grant is quite different in that you, you slowly do sort of like him he does become I, w- I wouldn't say it's a full kind of heel turn or it's not completely not evil or greedy or you know a dick anymore but he is a slightly better person um throughout 
throughout the story. But yeah, it's a really fun book. The artwork's really cool as well. It's really kind of nice. It's a very kind of 80s, 90s kind of artwork, but it works. Um, there's a lot of action, um, a lot of cool kind of survival elements. Um, like we said, it's a lot. it's got a lot of kind of corporate greed elements and double crosses and stuff. And, and mostly that, I mean, that's any kind of Aliens tale is it does have a lot of double crosses and corporate greed, but it's also kind of wrapped within a survival tale. Um, and those for me are the kind of some of the best those are the best elements for me of alien i quite like that that you always kind of have that slight kind of you know whaling yutani-esque kind of like oh we can use this the 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 applications for this this creature are amazing and whaling yutani want it for our military and things like that and and you think you know and that's interesting there's a lot and there's a lot of that in the the first kind of original trilogy of comics as well miniseries but it's really cool it's really fun i, I really quite like the red aliens as well it's almost like like they're almost in aliens the aliens film they're described like ants and it's almost like red and black ants almost and it's a really really fun book really excellent all the way through um great character work you know it's just fun it's just fun um again like it's 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 a good one it's really it's a really early one but it's a really good one and it's a bit and again a bit different like we do get a lot of a lot of these alien stories can be a bit samey um there's you know there's a lot of them where oh there's a car going oh it's you know it's an egg and oh the alien got out and yeah 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 i always like a different element to it something new something i've never seen before or something you could you know try and add to it like expand that universe and a lot of these stories do do that they really expand on the universe so yeah so that was that was number one. Oh, also because the red aliens are actually quite popular in the kind of fandom uh, with aliens comics and um the xeno xenomorph fandom so much like uh, last week with the robocop versus terminator comic book being so popular this this comic book was so popular that nika who designed the act action figures for aliens as well they created a red I think they did a queen and I think they did um, just a regular red xenomorph as well. Um, so again, goes, goes to show how popular this storyline was. And it is a, it's a really, really good one. And, it, and again, what I like, I like the ones that kind of feature more original characters a lot of the time. Um, sometimes I like count, uh, comics carry on what they were talking about in like a, you know, a sequel or something like that. But I also like a good original story with similar elements and new characters and new, you know, interactions, new ways it can go and, you know unpredictable um you know storylines and um you don't know if someone's going to die or you know chespers is going to burst out of them or you know anything could happen that's and that's why i quite like the unpredictability of having a whole new cast of characters because you won't know you know ripley will always survive you know Hicks will probably survive. Newt will probably survive. You know, but these brand new cast of characters, you know, everybody's fair game in regards to like deaths and stuff. So I really like that. Okay. So I'm going to go on to my second one, which is a, a really modern one. Actually, it was just out a few years ago. It's called Aliens Defiance. And it's, it's written by, uh, Brian Wood, uh, with art by Tristan Jones and Tony Brassini, and there's a lot of other artists on there, but I didn't want to name absolutely everybody, but they're all all on there. You can get this. This isn't in one of the omnibuses, because it's one of the more modern comics. Um, there's two volumes, or you can get a library edition, again, on Comixology or, you know, on eBay or Amazon or something like that. Um, the library edition combines the two volumes together into one story. Um, that's the one I bought. Um, so this is a, this is one, this is a story about a, a colonial marine. Um, if you like your colonial marine, 
Marine stories, then this is the one for you. Uh, Zula Hendricks, former Marine who had a spinal, she, uh, basically her first battle out as a colonial Marine. Uh, she got blown up and it affected her spine. So now she struggles, um, which has surgery and treatments and all sorts of stuff just to get her to to, she's in constant pain due to this spinal injury but she soldiers on because that's what she does and she doesn't want to seem weak or you know uh, inferior or you know and and she says that she's short she's black and she's a woman so she's had to really fight to get to that position in her career to be a just to be a colonial marine she's asked her she's kind of i think she was living on the streets and a, a soldier found her but she's fought all her life and now she's just continually still fighting her own disability and it, and it really makes for an interesting character study and she's quite fascinating and it you also you kind of it's a good way to get into the character and kind of sympathize with with everything she's going through and all the struggles she's had in her lifetime and and dealing with us now uh, and it only gets worse from here for Zula so there's Wailing Yutani and basically they send her on an expedition to find this kind of derelict um, again another kind of ship it's a very similar thing very similar setup to a lot of the alien stories so it's a distress beacon um, derelict ship she's got to retrieve the cargo now she has a team of now these are like colonial marine synthetics so these guys are not like bishop or something like that or ash they are designed to be you know killing machines they are designed to be soldiers they have a mission they fulfill the mission um and they get there and they find out well zula finds out everyone else knows what what the cargo is but obviously it's aliens uh and they have to bring back some kind of some sort of proof or dna or you know something they want them alive ideally whaling yutani ideally want these creatures alive but one of the synthetics actually betrays his fellow synthetics because he realizes he's kind of he's become kind of more self-aware than the other ones and and he's he has an identity and he you know he doesn't want to die and all this sort of stuff and he's he's constantly kind of improving on himself and he doesn't want to plug himself back into the kind of the system that all the other synthetics use because that will just his individuality will leave him and help zula because zula had no idea and she knows that these things are fucking dangerous um and so does he so they start working together and they kind of it's quite a nice little friendship that develops throughout uh they basically are kind of almost stuck on this ship they manage to kind of get the aliens out for the for the most part or lock them off into one area of the the ship uh and i think they there's another ship i believe and they and they find another doctor there human doctor who uh who is having her own issues as well it's it's a really good book. I don't want to spoil it too much. The artwork's the artwork um, is is quite good for the most part. There's some of the some of the issues I don't really like the artwork. Um, but it, that, there's just the problem is there's just that's the only issue with this book is there's so many artists on it. Kind of wish there would just been one stable artist. Even if I didn't necessarily like the artist to begin with, I might have grown to like them. But because it we kind of jumped around a bit, I wasn't a hundred percent. Um, and I'm not entirely sure because literally like almost some of the books are like cut in half like one one artist do one half of the book and the other half so i couldn't really tell you which one i don't particularly like but 
that's down to you. You guys might love that artwork. I don't, but it's a really good story and it's fun. I've got a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. Like every issue, like there's another problem. Like um, for example, we've got um, the having to deal with aliens themselves. There's a chest burst surgery scene, which is amazing. They've got pirates. They've got another set of of marines because Whaling Utani feel like they've gone off mission, which they absolutely have. There's a queen alien and and their own ship is constantly just falling apart and they're having to fix it and do stuff and and all the while like Zula's dealing with this issue um you know some really good good stuff um my friend DL Ketis at DL Ketis is a big fan of this one and I can I'm glad he recommended it to me because it's just bloody great if you're a fan of Alien Isolation which again I said I was playing recently uh check out this one because it does feature a small cameo by by Amanda Ripley and then she turns up again in the in the sequel which I've not read but I've heard is very good and that's Aliens Resistance and I believe there's a further sequel to that called Aliens Rescue um so it just kind of carries on that that story um again I heard heard the very good but I haven't read those two sequels but this one fantastic um it's probably my favorite modern uh, aliens comic that i've read all these are the ones are from quite a few years ago now um you know 10 20 years ago um uh, but this one has you know in the last few years absolutely fantastic so yeah give that a, a look and right moving on so this one is uh is probably the weirdest and wackiest of the alien comics but i really really like it it's called music of the spears so not spheres spears um this is from aliens omnibus volume four written by chet williamson with art by tim hamilton now this is such a popular story they actually took the comic book story and made it into a novel as well so which is very rare to happen to see a comic book made into a novel it's usually a novel that's made into a comic book or something so in the future the most all the all the music that we get in the future is kind of androids that are based on uh for example like dead celebrities dead musicians like say elvis for example and then they would kind of sing new songs or they would sing um covers of say you know the sex pistols or something like that or you get the sex pistols singing elvis or you know vice versa that's basically all that music is and it's it's kind of devolved you know i think this is the same with everybody everybody's music taste like oh i hate that music i hate this type of music oh this type of music oh music shit now you know everyone feels that way at some point i think and it's kind of almost the story is almost like a criticism on the music industry in itself, but I won't get too far into that. But there's one musician who is like a, he's bigger into kind of classical music and makes all it's all original work, totally original music. Um, there's even like this like I think there's androids that are making like kind of new metallic, almost like heavy metal, like a new style of heavy metal, killing each other on stage because they're androids that can destroy each other and stuff, um, which is really interesting. The main point of this is this musician is mad at the the record industry and and is frustrated with the music industry in in general and he says i need to get this rage across i need to get this indignant anger with everything that i'm feeling i need to get this across in my music how do i do that how i need the cry of an alien <laughs> so that's what this whole story is about this musician is just trying to get the 
the death cry or the 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 right tone and sound from an alien that he heard on some like past recordings when it was during like the earth war trilogy um he wants this he needs this to to just to to carry on um and and his record company weirdly agrees they're like yeah that's fine so what the record company does is they send ninjas to another company to steal <laughs> to steal an egg. So the opening scene of this comic is ninjas fighting xenomorphs. Absolutely brilliant, fantastic, bizarre, weird. I mean that that's that's the opening and it only gets weirder throughout the comic. It just gets weirder. So so the record company sets him up with a scientist to get the egg and then they have to find a donor so they pick some guy off the street and he turns out he's somebody he knew. Um he's this drug is this drug addict. He's uh, on Xenozip. Um, and he's part of this kind of religion, kind of cult that kind of worships the alien as a as a kind of god. Um, so they're like, ah, oh, he's fine. We'll just we'll just kill him. Um, but you know, he, he, the musician, you know, he starts off kind of, you know, he's he's a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. Can we not clone a body and then have something, you know, and do this? And we can do it. Get the chestbirds to come out of that that kind of body. And they're like, they're like, no, no, it has to be a person. So do all this, and then slowly but slowly, they try torturing the alien to get the right sound. Uh, and eventually they realize that that's not enough and they start giving it bigger and bigger praise. So they give it like a, there's like a panther uh, hurts him and it's like an almost like a scream of pain. And he is like, I need more of that. I need more of that. So he starts sending in people and he starts getting ex- addicted to the Xeno zip as well. So he starts slowly becoming more obsessed. We get in the, the, the perfection. You know, he's an artist. So he wants the absolute perfect sound that is absolutely will just, you know, and I think that's the creative, the creative drive when it goes too far. Like I said, it's kind of a, a criticism of, you know, the music industry and, and how, you know, if you get everything you want, you just descend into madness. And, you know, it's, you've got to, it's like rock musicians or something, you know, they get addicted to drugs and you've got to go for the next high and the next high and the next high and the next high. Um, it's very much like that. There's a lot of humor in it. There's a lot of kind of dark, twisted humor because of the, just because the subject matter is so weird weird um again i don't want to spoil it too much but I, this is probably one of my favorites but i think the ridiculousness of it just makes it all the kind of funnier and darker and more disturbing as well a lot of black humor to it um the the musician actually names the alien mozart and he's like it's almost treats him like a pen he loves him um you know he sets up this whole maze so the the alien can feel like it, it can kill and stuff and it's it's a fantastic story again don't want to spoil it too much. It's utterly bonkers, absolutely bonkers, but it's brilliant as well. So, so just just take, go in with a pinch of salt. But it is once you get well into it. I really like the artwork. A lot of people don't really like the artwork apparently online, but I was really keen on it. I really dug the artwork. So yeah, give that one a look. Moving on. So this is number three, four. Okay, so this is Aliens Labyrinth from Omnibus Volume Three. So this is written by Jim Woodring and with art by Killian Plunkett. So this, if you're after horror, so we, we had a bit of humour, but if you're after full-on disturbing, fucked-up, Cronenbergian body horror, this is the one for you. So it's probably one of the more violent and disturbing um, alien comics there are out there. <laughs> so it starts off with a kind of very standard story of a bug hunt with colonial r- marines, and then it kind of it goes into a kind of standard 
evil mad scientists working with aliens, which we do get quite a lot of. But what makes this kind of interesting, what makes this the more, what makes this one stand out is the kind of backstory to the mad scientist and, and where he's come from and, and how he is and, and just the characterization of him as well. It's fascinating. So the character's name is called, um, Dr. Church. So he's, he's found to be kind of, experimenting with aliens and he's you know dissecting them and working things out he's got there's a real he's got a really interesting thesis on it i'm not sure if this is still kind of canon or depends on you know what the writers think but he say he theorizes that because the aliens don't have any eyes and because they have these large kind of heads these large dome-like you know phallic heads if you will that they are psychically searching out prey they can sense prey um you know with their with their brain with their mind as opposed to with any other senses with because they don't have, seem to have a nose or anything like that um so i think that's a really interesting idea and there's a the experiment he does is he gives one of the he gives one of the um, soldiers uh, tests. He says there's one who's just a regular soldier. There's one who's hopped up on this drug, and these are weakened kind of aliens. And he's hopped up on this drug that he's he's so powerful, so dominant that just his psychic, um, you know, the way he feels and, and mentally that he's more powerful than the alien. The alien kind of shirks away, which is a really interesting kind of idea. I don't know if it's been played on in any other kind of comics, but I, th- I feel like that's one of the things you could could come back to um that would be that would be fantastic to kind of see but yeah so he his backstory so he's he's a scientist and he's um when he was a young lad he is is family were kind of again kind of uh colonists go to a planet and they find these aliens they get kidnapped they get taken into a hive and usually you would just have the you know the face huggers and the chest bursters and all that kind of scenes coming in but it doesn't happen like that so the aliens are actually ill for some sort of black mold stuff so they're all kind of dying the 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 face huggers are coming out and they're not they're not, you have, they have to physically put the face hookers on their face to even work. And even then it's the, there's, you know, the, impl- the, when their chest, the chest burst is in there, it actually dies, um, while it's, in, while it's in their body. Um, there's some really fucked up stuff. There's a bit where the, the scientists, you know, he's watching people being like, they're, they're feeding them, they're overfeeding them, they're filling them full of all sorts. There's uh, people just losing their mind. It's really, I don't want to spoil it. To, again, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's really dark and disturbing. The whole sequence of his backstory is is kind of based on Dante's Infor- Inferno, apparently. It's really quite dark and disturbing. And you can really see it in some in some scenes. You're like, oh my God, this, this is what I imagine hell would be like. This is definitely... Uh, a disturbing little story um but yeah it's it's just really good there's there's a fair bit of action to it and again a few bit of a lot of dark humor and black comedy but it's really it's really fascinating but the artwork is just adds to the whole you know i think the artwork is almost it's perfect for the story really because it just adds the aliens look you know disturbing scary but all the stuff in the Dante's Inferno section is just so disturbing. And I just, it's just, uh, it, it goes above and beyond like, just, you know, re- reading that in, at night, you know, before you go to bed is not a good idea because it is just horrific, just horrible, horrible stuff. And even the stuff he's doing on the space station himself, 
because um, one of the Marines is a scientist as well, and he kind of gets involved with the scientist, and he's, he's not sure to trust him, or, or will he trust him, won't he trust him. There's another person on board who was related to somebody who died at that station. There have been quite a few deaths, um, which is suspicious. But again, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's a really good story. It's fun. Um, there's another story on my honourable mentions, which would have gone in place of this, but they are quite similar in a way. Um, so I've left that in my honourable mentions. But yeah... Dr. Church is a very disturbing character. He, he I mean he there's a section where he's like takes his alien for a walk. Um I think it's called Trixie or something and he's got this like metallic lead harness thing and I'm just like that is and they're just like what are you doing man, you know. And he's so messed up the guy, but he seems to be allowed to do all these experiments somehow and for unknown reasons. But yeah, definitely check that one out Labyrinth, Alien's Labyrinth. Okay, number 1 then is Aliens Salvation. Um, so this is written by some comic book royalty, and that's why you know it's so good. It's written by Dave Gibbons, and with art by... Uh, so Dave Gibbons of Watchmen, and art by Mike Mignola of Hellboy. So this is a really interesting one. There's a lot of kind of religious parallels and allegories that are in... The alien stories, they describe aliens as demons or describe things as hell. Like previously in the Dante's Inferno section in Labyrinth, we were talking about um, some really, really good stuff. I think this is the best one that uses that kind of religious subtext and allegories and all that kind of religious theming um, that goes into these stories. This is the best one. Um, so a cook who's on um, the ship that's carrying a cargo. I bet you can guess what the cargo is, can't you? Um, so he, he's he, this cook's a bit odd. He borders on kind of religious zealotry. He is that religious. It's kind of like it's all-consuming for him. So he's, you know, going about his day, and one of the car, some of the cargo isn't secure and gets loose. It's it's aliens. It's aliens. I'll spoil it now. You don't know this for the first, you know, first what bit of the story, but you you do eventually learn. So the captain gets injured, grabs the cook, and he goes, "Right, get in this escape pod. We're going." And everyone's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And we're like, we're li "I'm leaving you behind. You fucking idiots. You didn't secure the cargo, and now we're fucking dead." So gets in the pod, and he lands on this kind of island on a planet which there's only one landmass, so they're literally on a, a desert island on a planet, which is quite interesting. And it and it shared this story shares a lot of similarities to Tales from the Black Freighter, which was the comic within the comic of Watchmen, which is again by Dave Gibbons. It's very similar in some respects to that story. But again, if you haven't read that, I won't spoil that. So yeah, so and then eventually the the cook is forced to kill the captain because he's going he's just going insane. He's being he's got all these drugs um because he's in so much pain and stuff and and he's trying to they're trying to eat stuff on the planet but nothing's edible. So we're both starving, they're both going a bit mad. Uh, and eventually he has to kill him. He decides to to kill him once he realizes that they brought the aliens aboard and that was it was his fault effectively so he, he realizes that the the actual ship that they were on is actually it started to decline and it's made planet fall sides the cook decides that he's gonna take the weaponry take everything that the captain had and try and make his way there um because it's gonna have a, a beacon but it's literally crawling with aliens and his kind of journey and his kind of inner monologue is so like 
dark, disturbing, and twisted. And this kind of dark religious imagery keeps kind of cropping up. And, and it looks like, it almost looks almost like Vietnam or something, like a Vietnam jungle. Um, you know, something, the reds and the blacks that Mignola uses and the, and the mixes in together and, and does conjure those images of hell, uh, and, and demons and things like that. So no wonder he kind of feels like that. But yeah, it's a brilliant little story. Um, he bumps it, he bumps into, uh, uh, one of the, one of the, survivors from the ship but they need to get into the ship to kind of activate the beacon or to seal themselves in or make themselves safe or i can't, can't remember exactly it's been a while since i read it now but i think this is the one of the first ones i read it's, it's a great little survival story anyway again i don't want to spoil it too much but that's alien salvation is fantastic again you, uh, this has actually been released i think it was on the 30th anniversary uh, there was a release of this, and I think it was part of another collection as well, because it is that good. It is that popular, and, and, I, and I can see why. And it looks gorgeous beyond belief. Uh, if you like Mike Mignola's artwork, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not a massive fan of his most recent kind of artwork, where he doesn't all the characters don't have any shoulders and kind of just have this one big long neck. And that's not really. I don't think that's a good look for a lot of the characters. But when he's when he's on it, when he's you know when he's on his his top form he is good okay so i think we're coming to the end i've got another um so we've got a few honorable mentions so i mentioned earlier earth war the earth war trilogy so that's outbreak nightmare asylum and female war i would say nightmare asylum is the best one and with the best art um so give that one a look that's in the first omnibus first aliens omnibus volume one if you want to give that a look uh stronghold's a really good one it's v quite similar uh, in subject matter to labyrinth so i didn't include this one but this one's quite humorous um and again it's about mad scientists doing things with aliens that they probably shouldn't be doing and they get found out but what's really cool about this one is that the whole the whole storyline is set on a ship where there's only one human and everything everybody else is synthetics they've got this kind of uh this really cool character called jerry who's basically he's designed to look like a xenomorph he smells like a xenomorph and he can go in and study the aliens and there's a there's another one i can't remember the name of the other one but he's like a almost like this massive terminator type alien the, and he he when he looks at the xenomorph he looks like he, he needs to kill it but when jerry speaks because he's a he's an android he's a synthetic a synthetic person um he, he he speaks and then and then the the big one kind of goes okay it's jerry he's a he's an android i don't kill him but yeah you get to see kind of jerry kind of toting a gun you get to see him smoking cigars um it's really quite funny but it also kind of you see the development and the freedoms and com some of the abuse that um synthetics go through in the kind of aliens universe and you know what what are they are they you know are they alive how should we treat them you know all that sort of stuff is some really creepy kind of imagery. But it's quite action-packed as well. It's another really action-packed one, which is good. Um, there's a lot of humour to it as well, but also a lot of a lot of dark kind of subject matter, dark, dark, disturbing stuff. But I really like if if I didn't include Labyrinth, I would have included Stronghold at 100 percent There's this one, so this is Aliens Sacrifice. So sorry, Stronghold is also on uh Omnibus Volume 4. Sacrifice is about a, a priest who is shipwrecked again on a planet of human colonists, but there's there's a dark secret 
and and it involves an alien but i won't spoil it too much but i think again if i didn't include salvation i probably would have had this one on instead because of the the religious kind of imagery and allegory and everything and that's on omnibus that's in omnibus volume three rogue aliens rogue so this is this is an interesting one because they decide that to make humans decide to make an alien king which is a bit different and it's a again it's a very unique creation and again i think it's a bit of a fan favorite as well i think the statues with the king alien but it's something a bit different you get a proper uh smack down um slobber knocker with the queen alien versus the king alien so that's pretty cool um aliens apocalypse subtitle destroying angels um so this is this was a comic that kind of investigated the space jockeys before prometheus so it's got a very it's very similar to prometheus in many ways um you know there's a lot of this almost the whole story matter is prometheus but it was it was created before prometheus um that's on omnibus volume six it's probably the best story on volume six um if the only one i think again you guys might like five and six volumes five and six is a lot of shorter stories but there might be a few ones you might quite like i remember there was one by john byrne in the 50s which was interesting um but nothing nothing really shout out to me um i think there's one called stalker which is about aliens um attacking vikings it's like it's like a viking it's like set way way before and they kind of see see the alien as a dragon and stuff which is pretty cool but yeah get give five and six a go and give any other alien books a go but these are the ones i'm recommending anyway so again you can buy this individually aliens apocalypse if you want so aliens apocalypse destroying angels yeah buy individually or buy buy five and six as well i mean there's still some stories in there are okay uh, aliens frenzy this was known as berserker and they changed the title for some reason um don't ask me why because nobody ever seems to know but it's a very action-packed colonial marine story um so it's it's quite it's quite kind of uh, out and out action. If you don't want much horror, but you want out and out action, Colonial Marines kicking ass. This is the story for you. Um, that's also on Volume Four. So again, Volume Three and Three and Four are very strong volumes of the omnibuses to get. Again, buy them individually if you like the sound of one of them. But they're there online, available, and you know eBay, Amazon, wherever else you want. Okay, listener comments. So I asked if people had a favorite licensed comic, what they think of licensed comics. Uh, yeah or nay you know are they good are they bad which ones are good which ones are really good so uh dan tween so that's at dan burden 1138 um he said dark horse did some amazing stuff with the star wars license for years yes they did some really really good star wars material there and expanded universe stuff and again only i know that disney reset the whole kind of timeline but i i like a lot of the legend stuff i think it's really cool i get that they wanted to reset a little bit and kind of re-establish stuff that's happened you know they're still introducing a lot of stuff that was introduced into the legends you know uh, a lot of characters and plot points and ideas like you know the emperor having uh, you know clones and being alive after jedi you know that's that was legends that was you know dark empire and stuff like that so some really good kind of star wars stuff again i'm not poo-pooing the the marvel stuff um the disney stuff or the original marvel stuff it's all it's all good shit so just just check it out um if you can again, again I, uh, I think Disney have re-released a lot of the Dark Horse stuff digitally and uh, physically, so give those a look. Um, so yeah, good good shout. I might do something on the Star Wars comics, but I do need to read a lot more before I decide any like top five or something like that. So we'll see about that. So I am Jack's musings at I am Jack's musings. Big fan of the show, M- number one fan, uh, the best fan. 
Um, so he says, Batman versus Predator is one of my favorite comic books of all time. I'm also a Scooby till I die. So I uh, thoroughly enjoyed most of what they did with Buffy. So that was the Scooby gang in Buffy, um, as they were described. Okay, uh, Scott Weatherly at Scott Weatherly. So that's 20th Century Geek Pod as well. If you have been listening to that, him, I do recommend. We do have a lot. Of, we do have a lot uh, in common. A lot of a lot of similar tastes. So I do recommend all of his stuff. And he says I 100% agree with these picks. My personal favourites are the Schaefer Predator trilogy and the Terminator story that started with Tempest in the 90s. Chris Warner's art is ace. Yeah, he's been very involved in a lot of these kind of franchises. And I'm going to have a look at some of those maybe um, in the next couple of podcasts. So keep your eye out, Scott, and we'll see uh, what we talk about. Um, right, so guys, you can find me at, as always, on Facebook at Secret Bores. Twitter at Dan underscore Bores, Instagram Spider Dan Secret Bores, and the podcast available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, many, many more. And if you'd like to do- donate towards the podcast, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Spider Dan and the Secret Bores. And don't forget to use the hashtag prepare for prattle every time you interact with us. Thank you very much, guys, for your time today. Have a great couple of days and i'll see you next week for top five predator comics bye-bye